0: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author
1: of How to Be Fine. And I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up dubious advice and solid TV and movie
0: recommendations (laughs) for whatever ails you. As usual, our reminder or warning, our caveat, we are not real therapists, but we are real movie therapists. Or at least we call ourselves movie therapists. So, Kristen, let's get to this week's letters. I think you should read this first one. Sound? Sounds good. Our first letter is from Jen. Jen writes, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I absolutely love your show and all of your movie advice. Thank you for putting this into the world. Hey, Jen, thank you so much. We appreciate it. But she writes more, Rafer. (laughs) Here's my predicament. I am a mother to a lovely toddler, but I am also so many other things. I love spending time with my son, and I also have career ambitions and social life needs. I feel like most movies or TV shows show parents, and mothers in particular, as really one-sided. Either they're all consumed by their children, or they're neglectful parents and they're selfish. Where are all the real parents? I would love to find some examples of parents in movies or TV that could serve as models for me for how to build a sustainable and fulfilling life where I am able to be a good parent and Good to Myself, too. What would you recommend? Hmm, that's a tough one. I think because crappy parents make
1: so much, such a better movie.
0: <laughs> they sure do. You know? <laughs> yes. Well,
1: and, and I'll, I'll say this also to our listener, Jen, you know, probably what you're experiencing is this idea that I think women experience a lot, which is that moms are shown particularly as one-sided, like you're saying, where moms are really just, you know, it's 100% kid. 100% kid that's all that's all it is me as a dad my role models in the movies are usually drunk somewhere lying in a gutter <laughs> doing nothing at all for their children abandoning them i think of like you know jeff bridges in crazy heart i remember when i saw that i was kind of like why are all the guys in movies like this like i like to drink i don't do this but all the dads are like this in movies so I it's it. I know what you're saying. It is a little bit, uh, it's a little bit one or the other, you know?
0: Yeah, especially with women, though. I mean, Hollywood already has a woman problem. We've talked about this before, Rafer. True. What is it, like, 83% of speaking lines in movies are for the men? And- Women, when we do get to talk, it frequently is, oh, honey, are you sure you're going to be safe out there? Or um, (laughs) mommy always believes in you and I'll do anything for you, include jump in front of this car. Like women don't really get to do that much in the movies. We have a lot less versatility than you guys do, Rafer. So um, it's the the woman thing in addition to the mother thing, in addition to the woman-mother career thing. It's like, that's too much. Hollywood's about to explode. They don't know what to do with that. (laughs)
1: That's true. It's true. Well... Kristen, what do you have for
0: a prescription for our listener? All right, Rafer, I'm going to go way, way, way back to the mid-1940s to a little gem, a black and white movie that I absolutely adore, that most people appreciate as a Christmas movie, but I appreciate as a feminist movie that depicts a well-rounded female character. I'm talking Miracle on 34th Street. Oh, of course. Of course. Now, Miracle on 34th Street, I'm sure a lot of you know the story, but let me just, in case you don't know it, or in case you haven't seen it in a million years, let me just give a recap here. Maureen O'Hara plays Doris Walker. She's an executive at Macy's Department Store in New York City, as well as a divorced mother of a precocious little girl named Susan, played by Natalie Wood. Early on in the movie, she casts a man to play Santa in the Thanksgiving Day Parade and then at the department store itself. He manages to charm everybody he comes into contact with and increase store sales numbers significantly. The only problem? He claims to be the real Kris Kringle. Doris tries to get him fired to no avail, and through a turn of events, Kris ends up staying at Doris's next-door neighbor's apartment. Notably, the next-door neighbor has a huge crush on her. Here's a clip. What I'm trying to explain to you is come in. You said you wanted to see me, Mrs. Walker. Come right in. Hello there. Good to see you again. It's nice to see you. You're awfully lucky, Mrs. Walker. Lovely little girl you have here.
1: Thank you. And Susan's the reason I asked you to drop down. She's a little confused and I
0: thought maybe you could help to straighten her out. I'd be glad to. Would you please tell her that you're not really Santa Claus, that there actually is no such person? Well, I'm sorry to disagree with you, Mrs. Walker, but not only is there such a person, but here I am to prove it. No, 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 you misunderstand. I want you to tell her the truth. Uh, what's your name? Miss I'll bet you're in the first grade. Second. I mean your real name. That is my real name.
1: Second grade? It's a progressive school.
0: Oh, it's a progressive school. This dress is very cute. Where did you get such a lovely outfit?
1: Here at Macy's. We get 10% off. This really is a great... Um, a great movie. I, lo- I, lo- I always love this movie. Um, Edmund Gwynn as Chris Kringle is just um, terrific, and uh, and Natalie Wood, little Natalie oh, Wood, it's, it's she's, she's so great, she's so
0: funny. She just is so much smarter than most kids are, but actually, maybe kids really are that smart. They just don't always let you know, right? She's just hilarious. Yeah,
1: you know, one thing I remember about this, and I grant you, it's been a while since I've seen it. Um, the 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 male love interest, who I think is. Um, Fred gailey yes of course he 's right he 's the lawyer who defends Chris Kringle, right, um, played by a guy named John Payne. What I remember is that he 's a pretty supportive guy like he 's really supportive toward the mom he 's really supportive uh, toward the girl i don 't feel like he talks down to them that much. I remember thinking here and there that he was that he seemed like pretty okay with this woman who's got like a really incredibly successful career and is like a a real executive. And I remember thinking the last
0: time I saw it that that was a little unusual uh, at the time. Yeah, I just love it. And I think we've mentioned this on the show before, Rafer, but the 1940s did have a lot of great career ladies on film. I've already mentioned a few of them before, like His Girl Friday and so on. Women who are so smart, so clever. And the men see them as intellectual equals. Like, you know, you remember from his girl, Freddie, he definitely saw her as an intellectual equal right. in that movie as well. Right. He sparred with her a lot, but it, it wasn't ever condescending and he never talked on to her. Right. And this is absolutely the truth in this movie too. Maureen O'Hara is smart as a whip Everybody knows it. Nobody talks down to her. She's very powerful. She's one of the highest ranking people at the most famous department store in the world. And she wears smart suits and she looks terrific and she's a great mom and she's well-rounded and she has romance. She has all sorts of sides of her personality. She's not just one kind of person. and. I just love that she gets to be all these different things and not always do them all perfectly either, because she also does sometimes misread situations. She sometimes does make mistakes. And that's what all humans do. We shouldn't expect anyone to be perfect. She's not. But she's very, very real. And I think she's an outstanding role model for anybody out there who wants to see a woman who's more than one thing, more than a mother, more than a career person, more than a romantic interest. She's all those things and much, 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 much more. So once again, I am prescribing Miracle on 34th Street with the great Maureen O'Hara.
1: Leave it to you to find a reason to prescribe a Christmas movie. Kristen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this episode is coming out on Christmas Day. It's allowed.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, that's okay. All right. All right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but Reefer, I want to know, what are you going to be prescribing to Jen today?
1: Well, I'm going to prescribe a, one of these movies that got lost in the shuffle in the pandemic this year. It's a movie from uh, this summer called Miss Juneteenth. I don't know if you ever saw this, Kristen.
0: No, sadly, I didn't. I do remember hearing about it. But I heard about it so much later after it came out. I think I heard about it like in November or something oh interesting yeah
1: well it, it it got a lot of buzz um you know when it came out, which I think was in June, but you know this is one of these little movies that comes out in the middle of the you know covid nineteen pandemic and it had to go straight to video. There was nowhere else for it to go, and I think it just kind of got lost in the chaos of of everything, but it's a really good little movie, really worth seeing. I'll tell you the story. It's set in the Fort Worth area of Texas, uh, and it's the story of a woman named Turquoise Jones, and she is a young mother uh, working as a waitress at Wayland's Barbecue and Lounge. But uh, once upon a time, she was Miss Juneteenth, which means she was the winner of a pageant for young black women that commemorates the day Texas finally freed its slaves, which was June 19th, 1865. More than a year
0: and a half after the Emancipation Proclamation.
1: Yeah, Almost two years after, right, I know. Uh, And so that day has become known as Juneteenth. And Turquoise was supposed to have a different life because of this pageant. She had a scholarship thanks to the pageant, but now she's raising her teenage daughter, Kai. And of course, she wants Kai to enter the pageant. But, you know, Kai isn't really interested in all this black history stuff, She just wants to be a freewheeling kid and hang out with her friends. She's got a boyfriend of her own. Here's a clip. If you do real good, you can go to Spelman. The women coming out of there do big things. Ain't that a girl's school? Remember you took me to State Fair Classic and they did the Battle of the Bands? Mm. When them dancing dolls came out, they tore it up. I got to go to college, I want to go somewhere like that. Or I can go to Prairie View like you did. You worry about the wrong thing. If I make the dance team, I can get me a scholarship like you want me to. Mm. But them girls did dance in high school, so they got experience. Ain't no school handing out no full ride for that. I need you focus on your studies. Once you
0: get there and you've been doing okay for a while, maybe. Rafer, it's such a shame that this movie did not make it to the theaters. I feel that America would have been so receptive to a movie like this right now at this moment. And we need these kinds of movies. Right.
1: It it, it was released uh, on this June 19th uh, to dovetail with the holiday. Uh, And I feel like it came right around the time, you know, maybe partly... It had something to do with the fact that people were becoming more and more aware of June 19th. Um, I think, you know, not that long ago, this was totally unknown to a lot of people, certainly unknown to me. And so, yeah, it's, ti- it's, it's timing in all other ways was actually quite good. And it had a lot of good things going for it. Uh, the actress who plays Turquoise is uh, Nicole Bahari. She's an actress I'm not that familiar with. I know she's one of the stars of Sleepy Hollow. I remember her playing Jackie Robinson's wife in 42, opposite Mm. um, Chadwick Boseman. Um, She's really good here. The the woman who plays Kai, Alexis... Chicaezi, I think, is her last name. This is her acting debut. She's also really good. I think what's great about this movie is that you can tell that it's all very real and comes from real life. Uh, the writer and director is a woman named Channing Godfrey Peoples. She's from Fort Worth. The film was shot there. You know that barbecue joint looks completely real. There's there's no way that's a set. And this turquoise character. She's just a very real mother character. That's why I chose this film. There is a dad who's still in the picture. He's not a villain. He's actually like a fairly good guy. It's not quite clear why they're not together, but they aren't. They seem to have some kind of understanding here. And you get the sense that Turquoise is a woman, a mom. She's trying to make things work. She's trying to make some money. Yes, she's kind of trying to pigeonhole her daughter into the into the Miss Juneteenth pageant. But she's not obsessive. She's not, you know, she's not a, a monster. Um, she's not bitter. She's not angry. It just all adds up to a very real picture of a woman trying to get some stuff done, look out for her kid, be a person, uh, enjoy herself as well, make a better life for her kid. It just seemed very real. The drama isn't that ginned up. And again, you know, it's got this very real background, this very important uh, Black history uh, as kind of a backdrop, too, that I think is really good. So uh, Miss Juneteenth, I was really sad to see it, you know, kind of get buried in the, in the, in the chaos of the pandemic. But I think it's worth, uh, worth seeking out.
0: Mm. Rafer, that sounds like an outstanding recommendation for all of us, including Jen, who is looking for some more three-dimensional role models. So once again, those recommendations are from Rafer, Miss Juneteenth which just came out this year, Miss Juneteenth. And for me, Miracle on 34th Street, which came out a little while ago. (laughs) All right, we're going to take a quick break.
1: But before we do, a huge thanks, as always, to everyone who's been giving us five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts. For example, Inyokern Hiker recently gave us five stars and wrote, What a great podcast. It's fun, engaging, and pretty darn good therapy for these tense times. Their movie recommendations are quite useful and I've seen excellent movies that I wouldn't have considered watching without their advice. Oh, and thank you very much. Yes. In Yokern Hiker, I don't know how to pronounce that cryptic <laughs> name you've got or where
0: it comes from. Yes, I don't know how to pronounce it either, but thank you so much and thank you everyone else out there for your continued five-star ratings. We really really appreciate it.
1: Okay, stay with us because when we're back, we have someone who feels her family of origin has splintered.
0: We are back with our second letter of the week. Rafer, I'm going to let you read this one.
1: Okay. This one is from someone who has asked that we call her Connie. Connie writes, Dear Rafer and Kristen, since having kids, my mom, dad, brothers, and me have grown less and less close. I am the first to have kids, and my family has been very judgmental regarding my parenting. I rarely see my family, and it pains me when I hear people talking about the village it takes to raise kids. I miss them so much, but everything has changed, and when I do see them, it's often stressful. My dad has dementia now, and is living with one brother instead of with my mom. Even though I now have my own nuclear family, I want my original family in my life, too. We used to have a way we did things at holidays, and a normal routine of how and when we interacted with each other. We weren't perfect, but it was something I counted on. Is there advice, and or a movie, that pertains to a big shift in family? Maybe a chasm that opens that can be evolved into a new but good way of being?
0: Well, Connie, I got to say what you're going through, I think most of us will go through eventually if we have not yet gone through it many, many times over in our families, unfortunately. Um, You know, I can speak for myself here. My family's been through all sorts of things like divorces, remarriages, children being born, uh, deaths, which I've mentioned on the show more than once and uh, people moving to other parts of the country, or in some cases, outside of the country. And yeah, those things can be really challenging to deal with, especially if, you know, at least during the holidays, you're used to having the same thing happen year after year. And, you know, it's always hosted at this house, and we always do it this way. And, you know, those shifts can really, they can be disorienting, and they can make us feel like, who are we uh you know if we don't have this one thing that centers us what is our home what is our identity when those things suddenly shift so quickly so i, I feel for you i i know that i've been through it i know rafer you've been through different versions of this as well sure. we, we've all been through this right rafer
1: i mean i think it's a real uh it's a real modern problem i think i think that's modern life uh we travel more we're more mobile um you know um, there are there are planes and trains and cars that we sort of depend on to keep in touch with and all these different things. But, you know, distance is distance and it's difficult. I I have family that's all the way across the country. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. We were we were going to see them in Oregon when the pandemic hit and now it's been another year where I haven't seen these people and I haven't seen them in in decades. I haven't seen them in probably twenty years. And yeah, you know, I, I think also as you get older at least as I get older, that distance starts to seem more more urgent, or I guess what I should say is it starts to seem more important that you close that gap, that you close that chasm um, that is opened up. Because, uh, you know, l- like you're saying, Connie, our listener, um, this is your family. This is your original family. And these people are important. So yeah, I understand that.
0: Yeah. And I, I will say this, though. I mean, I think that, as-, as I already said, I think most of us go through this in some form or another. If we haven't already gone through it, um, we will go through it. But I also think that life has cycles. So maybe we'll be far apart for a little while and be very tight-knit again. And I know that's happened with different members of my family where maybe we don't talk for months and then we go through a period where we talk every week. So I hope that happens for you, Connie. I hope that this is just, you know, maybe a rough patch for a year or two, especially exacerbated by the pandemic. And then maybe, you know, next year at this time, you'll be talking more regularly. Maybe three years from now, Christmases will feel just like they used to or they'll feel like something new and different and possibly even better better than what they used to feel like. So, you know, I'm holding on to hope for you, Connie. Things may feel bad now, but I believe they can change for the better.
1: Let's hope for better. Yes. That's what I'm hoping for. Good grief.
0: (laughs) For all of us, please. So, (laughs) Rafer, what are you going to prescribe here to Connie? Well,
1: I have a movie in mind that mirrors Connie's story so closely that I, I wonder, A, if she might have already seen it. And B, I, I hope it's not a little too close for comfort, but I'm going to go ahead and recommend it. It's it's a movie from 2007 called The Savages.
0: Uh, Do you know yes. this movie? Of course. The Savages starring Laura Linney and the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. And yes, indeed. They're siblings, and they are magic in this movie, The Savages. Yes.
1: They are. They're both just incredible. Well, uh, I'll tell the story here, and maybe Connie, our listener, will understand why I recommended it. Um, It's from a writer-director named uh, Tamara Jenkins, who I I think tends to do movies that are at least a little autobiographical. Uh, Like you said, Kristen, this is about two adult siblings, a brother and sister— They've drifted apart over the years, but they come back together to help take care of their father, who has dementia. Laura Linney is Wendy Savage. She's a playwright in New York City, and um, Philip Seymour Hoffman is John Savage. He's a theater professor in Buffalo. The father is an actor named Philip Bosco. You'll recognize him when you see the movie. He was one of those character actors who was in virtually everything for about 50 years. I, I, I looked him up because I was curious about him. He died not that long after this movie. This was his last film role. His career stretched from about 1960 to 2009. Um, this is a pretty remarkable career. Anyway, Philip Bosco is the dad. And I, I've seen this movie uh, described as a black comedy, which I don't really think is right. I, w- I would just call it a drama with a bitter sense of humor. And you're just kind of following these two siblings as they're coming back, getting to know each other again, and going through this very difficult thing. Here's a clip. <laughs>
0: John, it's me. Dad is losing his mind or something. I got a phone call. There's something wrong with him. This is a crisis.
1: I don't think this actually qualifies as a crisis. It's an alarm.
0: You mean it's it's like we're in orange?
1: Exactly, but we're in yellow, okay? So we should just be aware and be cautious. When it hits red, then we're in trouble.
0: Hi, Dad. Hi, Dad. Do something! There's a doctor. He's not that kind of doctor dad. I said my boy was a doctor. Doctor philosophy teaches theater. Like play? No, like theater of social unrest. Rafer, I agree with you that The Savages is not exactly a comedy, but I gotta say, there are some genuinely funny moments. And thank God, because you definitely need moments of levity watching this family go through what they're going through. Some of it is very, very tough.
1: Right, some of it is very tough, um, you know the, the dad uh, we get the sense was not a great was not a great dad. Uh, they, they cut him out of their lives and um, there are hints that he might have been abusive physically, possibly and that might explain why the two siblings are both a little unhappy in their lives they 're kind of having some problems in their own relationships you know it 's a, it's a very honest, very real film, uh, which is the reason I like it and it it, it has an upbeat ending, but it 's not a fairy tale ending you know, some things are going to change. Some things aren't going to change. These two people, this brother, this sister, they'll always be who they are. And they can maybe never go back to the way they were when they were little. But they'll always be siblings. If, If something like this happens, if some tragic thing happens in their lives, they will always be there for each other. And I'm sure that's true. I hope that's true, Connie, for your family, too. And, you know, that's life. Like like you said earlier, Christian, you you know, you grow apart, you come back together. And so, I think it's a great movie that might put some things in perspective. The last thing I want to say is please do not confuse this movie with Savages, the <laughs> no. 2012 movie from Oliver Stone. You'll be very sorry if you rent that film. This is The Savages. So, that's important. Very, very different movies. <laughs> So, Kristen, what have you got for Connie?
0: You know, Reefer, I jotted a few different things down here in my prescription pad. Okay. And in the end, I decided I wanted to go a little bit lighter here, something that would hopefully make her laugh a little bit. And, you know, I know what you're going through is painful, Connie. I know that it can sometimes feel like, oh, I'm all alone in this. Oh, these people are so critical of me. Oh, nothing's what I want it to be. Nothing's what it used to be. And those can feel like tough feelings to deal with, right? Totally. But sometimes the best way to deal with tough feelings is just to laugh, right? To laugh at how absurd things are, to laugh at the nuances of family, at the contradictions of family, at the frustrations of family. And there's a movie that does such a good job of that called Daddy's Home 2 from 2017. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wait, you, specific, you specifically chose Daddy's Home 2, yes. not Daddy's Home. Yes, I specifically chose Daddy's Home 2, and the reason why is because I feel like, Connie, your situation is pretty complicated, and Daddy's Home is already complicated, but Daddy's Home 2 takes it to another level of complication and another level of deception. And there are different members of the family who are not telling the truth about themselves and not telling the truth about their feelings in much bigger ways than in the first Daddy's Home. So before I explain fully what I mean, let me just tell you the plot here of Daddy's Home too. So, after a rough start, Sarah Whitaker's ex-husband Dusty, played by Marky Mark, has <laughs> made peace with her second husband Brad, played by Will Farrell, and the two men happily parent the children together as father and stepfather. It's all coming back to me now. Yes. <laughs> but their newfound partnership gets put to the test when Dusty's old-school macho dad, played by Mel Gibson, and Brad's very gentle, affectionate father, played by John Lithgow, arrive to turn the holidays upside down. After a sudden change in plans, the four men decide to take the kids to a luxury resort for a fun-filled getaway that turns into a chaotic adventure where secrets are revealed, new rivalries are exposed, hilarity ensues, but also a little bit of heartbreak. Here's a clip.
1: Hey, no fair! that's a nice ball. You bet it is. You know, you throw that and we are no longer co-dads. Oh, I'm way ahead of you, dickhead. You know what, from now on, we'll just act like a normal blended family with me hating your guts. But the kids will never know it because I'm too good of a dad to ever throw their stepfather under the bus. That's right where you're gonna be, Brad, under my bus. Well, guess what? I'm gonna celebrate you morning, noon, and night because it's the right thing to do in front of the kids. But just know the way I really feel about you is you can suck a fart, Dusty. A wet, greasy fart. You gotta keep puff faking that thing, or you gonna take a shot, Brad? Huh?
0: What? Huh?
1: He's never played sports ever. Maybe it stuck to oh. his hand. Oh. Oh. That's what I thought. You know what, Dusty? You're not worth it. Come on, Dad. Ugh. Good. Psych, you're totally worth it. I think it's so funny that you specifically zeroed in on Daddy's home, too. It's the two that makes me laugh. I don't know why that's so funny to me. It just is.
0: (laughs) Well, I actually think Daddy's Home 2 is a better movie than the original daddy's home. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Yeah. The the first daddy's home, by the way, I also enjoy quite a bit. Oh, the first one is great. It's, it's, it is it's it is great. But this one is just dealing with other things that I think that Connie will be able to relate to a little bit more. You know, dad's not quite himself. What's going on? What is he not talking about? Right. How much should I pry? What's really happening there? All the parents are being criticized by other parents for how they're raising their kids. You know, these are things that Connie, I think, can relate to. Uh, Tradition is As- not being what they used to be. I Think Connie can relate to that. There's so much in Daddy's Home, too, that I think you can relate to, Connie. But also, I think that hopefully, what you'll take away from this is that this is just the way it is for all of us nowadays. Families change over time. Sometimes there are divorces. Sometimes there are remarriages. Sometimes new children come into the fold. And yes, sometimes families drift apart, get frustrated with each other, don't tell each other the full truth. But there's always hope that you can love each other through this. And there's always hope that hopefully you can celebrate the holidays together again, and maybe it'll be new and different in the way that you didn't expect, and maybe that new and different will be frustrating, and maybe that new and different will create better memories, and maybe you'll just end up singing together and maybe dancing. But I'm, I'm not. No, I'm not gonna. No, I'm not gonna give it away. I'm not gonna give it away. You, you know what I'm about to reveal.
1: It has a downer ending. <laughs> No, that's a joke. <laughs> oh, that's a, I'm kidding. Uh, well, listen. I think that's a great. I think that's a great idea. Uh, you know, the 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 Will Ferrell, uh, Marky Mark uh, combination has has proved to be strangely magical, hasn't it? It's so good. It's so good. Who yeah. knew?
0: Who would have ever guessed?
1: I know, I know. Who knew? <laughs> uh, all right. I think those are two good recommendations. Uh, from Kristen, Daddy's Home Two, and from me. <laughs> The savages. You're not going to let
0: go of the two, Rafer. <laughs> I can't help it. I love it. <laughs> All right. We're going to take another quick break. But before we do, are you in a predicament where you could use some questionable advice and a good movie or TV recommendation? Use the contact form at RaferandKristen.com. You do not have to use your real name. Like our last advice seeker, you can be Connie or you can be anything else you like.
1: When we're back, we have our What Should I Watch Next Letter of the week.
0: We're back with our What Should I Watch next letter of the week. Rafer, take it away. I will do that. This letter comes from
1: Kylie. Kylie says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I'm an American living in South Korea with my husband, who is Korean. I have lived in Korea for eight years now, and I'm pretty out of touch with English-speaking TV and movies. My husband and I love to watch suspenseful Korean crime dramas together, like Stranger, Where the Camellias Bloom, and we both loved Kingdom. Now we want to watch a crime drama or movie in English because my husband wants to start practicing his English before meeting my family in person. Do you have any recommendations of crime movies or TV shows in
0: English? Oh, hooray. You know, TV fixes everything. It It brings (laughs) us together. It teaches us so much, including language. It teaches us how to speak languages that we weren't brought up with.
1: TV fixes it all, right, Rafer? I think that's right, Uh, especially if you weren't a husband to interrogate your family mercilessly. Where were you on the (laughs) night of the 26th? Is that the truth? (laughs) That's a lie. Uh, No, I think that's a great idea. Uh, You know, that's a great way. uh, You know, uh, television, movies, um, you know, I tried to do that with uh, French. Uh, Didn't work. But uh, I think it's a great idea.
0: (laughs) Yeah, especially if you, I don't know. Like me, um, put the subtitles on. There was a while there where I was more proficient in Spanish, Uh and I would try to watch movies in Spanish with the Spanish subtitles on, because that would help me to read the Spanish words while I was watching the movie at the same time. Uh, Como agua para chocolate is one of the ones I tried to do that with. There you go. (laughs) Beautiful. Yes. Beautiful.
1: Muy bonita. Yeah.
0: So I, I, I love this idea, Kylie. You and your husband sound like a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> I totally agree. Watching your fun movies and uh, learning languages. This sounds like a great time and a great way to do it. Much more fun than just taking a class. I'm sure classes are useful, too, here. <laughs> but, right. Of course. Um, of course. But this is much more fun than just taking the classes. Well, Kristen, what what's your prescription for Kylie and her husband? All right. So... I just want to preface this by saying there are a few different kinds of accents in the show I'm about to prescribe. So Kylie, um, I hope that's okay with you. Not everyone speaks in standard American English in this show. That could be good. That could be good. I, I hope you're right. I hope so. So the show I'm prescribing is called Killing Eve. It has aired from 2018 to the present. It is a BBC creation, and it is currently, as of this recording, on Hulu, as well as several other places. Do you know Killing Eve, Rafer?
1: I only know about it because it has Sandra Oh, who I love so much from Grey's Anatomy. Yes. um, And who I'm I'm reliving her with my uh, wife and my children because my children, strangely enough, have become obsessed with Grey's Anatomy. Oh, my
0: gosh. (laughs) Um, I love it.
1: It's very... That's very odd, right? But um, so that, that's the only reason I know about this. And I know that it was highly acclaimed, one of these highly acclaimed television shows. But I'm going to just admit to you, I have never seen it.
0: Uh, well, I think you would love it, Rafer. Um, Sandra Oh is, as always, so fantastic. Uh, tough on the outside, but vulnerable on the inside. She right. plays a British intelligence investigator tasked with capturing psychotic assassin Villanelle, played by Jodie Comer. As the chase progresses, the two develop a mutual obsession with each other, and their game of cat and mouse finds each of them turning the tables on the other over and over and over and over again. Here's a clip. Why Bill?
1: He was slowing you down. Don't
0: do that.
1: Don't do that. And I push it through slowly.
0: I am going to find the thing you care about. <laughs> and I am going to kill it. Oh. Please. Please. What? what is your pen? <sighs> One, two... Three...
1: Kristen, this sounds absurd and hilarious.
0: Oh, to me, it it is delightful, but also I got to say, very violent. Oh, okay. <laughs> and um, Villanelle, she is just she just takes such delight in murdering people. Like when you see the look on her face as she's doing things like stabbing men in the eyes with pens, you're like, wow. You're like, I don't know if you should look this happy. <laughs> Your face looks like you just ate an ice cream sandwich, but like what your hands are doing is not, you know, putting an ice cream sandwich in your mouth. But it's such a delight to watch. It's so weird. It's so slick. It's so surprising. It goes places you never expect. And those are qualities I also associate a lot with Korean crime movies and TV shows. Right. Sure. Which, you know, Korean crime shows, they're not afraid to go to places you don't think they're going to go to. You know, (laughs) they're, they're willing to get twisted. And so is Killing Eve. They're willing to get more twisted than you ever think they need to get. Wow! They they go there and then they get even more twisted.
1: Well, I guess I can't uh, show it to my kids. That's too bad. Uh, can... No, no, no. This is All not right. for the kids. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, j- side note: Villanelle isn't that a kind of poem? Isn't that a isn't that a form of poem poetry? A villanelle? It's a spe- it's a specific oh. specific rhyme scheme and a pe- specific number of lines, et cetera, et cetera. I'm, I, I think that's right, unless I am thinking of some totally other thing.
0: Hmm. You know, like I said, I, I tried no, to learn no, no. French and
1: failed. So,
0: <laughs> No, Rafer, you're right. It is. And I wonder if it comes up in the show. I've only seen the first season so far. There's more than one season in the show. I've only seen the first one. So,
1: ah, okay. um,
0: I wonder if that comes up, but I'll
1: bet you someone says something about it. I
0: remember we had that as like some sort of writing exercise yeah. in high school or
1: something. Yeah, yeah to yeah, write yeah. a villanelle, yeah. right? Uh, all right, I'm gonna look, when we're done here, I'll look that. Okay, up.
0: all right, but okay. Enough about killing Eve, Rafer. I want to know what are you gonna prescribe to Kylie and her husband?
1: Okay, I do have uh, a suggestion. I liked your idea about having um, different uh, accents, Christian. Uh, I'm gonna rec- I'm gonna recommend something Scottish. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um no I'm recommending a I'm rec- I'm recommending a a uh uh series on HBO that is called The Undoing. It's the hot ticket Ooh. right now. Do you know it Kristen?
0: This, this show is all the buzz right now. It's
1: all the buzz. I see
0: people tweeting about it all the freaking time. People have very strong opinions about this. This is the show led by Nicole Kidman, right?
1: That's right. Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant, who are terrific together. It's a uh, very fine uh, six-part miniseries, um, straight-ahead crime story, but, but very solidly done. Um, Nicole Kidman plays Grace Fraser. She's a therapist living on the Upper East Side, and she is married to Jonathan Fraser. He's a pediatric oncologist. Uh, he's played by Hugh Grant. They are fabulously wealthy, as you would expect, with those kind of salaries, but I think they also both come from money, at least uh, Grace's father, Franklin, who is played by the great Donald Sutherland classic East Coast patriarch. Who knows where his money comes from, but he's got a ton of it. Well, one day, a woman is murdered, uh, an artist. She's been bludgeoned to death in her studio. Grace kind of knows this woman a little bit because their children both go to the same fancy prep school, Reardon, Gossip starts to spread, and then all of a sudden, in very short order, Jonathan is identified as the leading suspect. And this throws Grace's very comfortable, wealthy, she she life on the Upper East Side into turmoil. And here's a clip. Hi, Dorita, see you at the arcade. Um, Jonathan Fraser, please. Is he a guest? Yes. I'm sorry, I'm not seeing a Jonathan Fraser. Would he be under another name?
0: Hi, Place Independence, this is Jessica.
1: Uh Jonathan Fraser's room please.
0: I'm sorry, I don't see any reservation. <sighs> uh, Hi, Cleveland Legacy. Could you put me through to Jonathan Fraser's room please? Uh can you spell that? Fraser, F R A S E R. Uh yes, transferring you now. Hello? Uh who is this? Who are you? Excuse me? Uh, can you, um, put me through to, uh, Jonathan Fraser, please? <clears throat> uh, hold on. Uh, Jonathan? What a cast. You know, oh, for I remember back in the day, you and I are old enough to remember when this caliber of film star the ones who are in this movie, would never be on TV. Never. back in the day, like, oh, my God, you don't want to be on The Love Boat. You don't want to be on Circus with the Stars. <laughs> That's right. That's what TV was. If you were a movie so star true. who ended up on Circus of the Stars, it, that was a sign it was over. Featuring
1: right? guest star Joan Crawford. <laughs> be like, oh, boy. That's depressing.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. Okay. You're totally right.
1: Um, well, here's what I'll say about uh, this Series, like you're saying, Kristen, it's it's the hot thing right now. The reviews have been, you know, beyond strong. All kinds of buzz on it. I'm gonna say this this series is above average. I do not think it's a masterpiece, and to be honest, that is exactly (laughs) what I am enjoying about it. It is just totally straight ahead. The director is um, Suzanne Beer. She's a Danish director. I've seen like maybe two or three of her films. They're kind of a mixed bag, actually, but she does a pretty good job here. You've got a great cast. It's totally plot-driven. It's based in a novel. Nothing experimental or weird. This is not Twin Peaks. There's nothing like super creepy or bizarre about it. It's set amongst the super rich, which is always fun. But I don't necessarily think it's saying anything that deep or trenchant about class and wealth and i'm totally fine with it it's just a straight ahead (laughs) spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and more time actually watching and playing what you want with the ign daily update podcast all you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from ign on the world of video games movies and television with news previews and reviews So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra-themed episodes,